Seba, the Southern Fried Witch. And today I'm sitting around with my friend and also student and my coven, Shannon. So uh, say hi, Shannon. Hi, Shannon. <laughs> I couldn't resist. Sorry. All right. Well, you may a little asshole moment, never hurt anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I deserve it because I've drugged you on the show and it's fine. I, I would not say there was a lot of dragging involved, but I'd like to. <laughs> imagine it in my head with your beautiful headcraft cloak on and i'm dragging you it doesn't work out y'all she sent me oh my gosh you're gonna be super jealous of the tunic that she sent me to be honest with you like it is the most beautiful like post-apocalyptic colorway it's like gray and deep red and it looks like i've been like running through the desert getting all muddy oh it's 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 beautiful i may never take i'm wearing it now i may never take it off yeah, she sent me a tunic. I don't know if you remember last winter, and I slept in it for three nights. It was it was just really a bad situation where I couldn't take it off. Thankfully, I finally got a shower. But it's gorgeous. Can we all just gush about Hagcraft Farm for a minute? Because please, honestly, the clothing is so. I mean, it's like the fabric is buttery soft. The colors are stunning. I just I cannot get enough of it. This is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> It is not a paid advertisement. It's it's not. You and I both agree we want to only wear Hagcraft Farm. Pretty much, yeah. Every time I have to put on non-Hagcraft Farm clothes, I'm like, no, oh, this isn't as fun. No, and it's not as magical. Right, exactly. You can really feel the magic in those for sure. I agree. And I just talked about that in my other podcast that's going to come out tomorrow. We're doing this a week early, y'all. Um, that, you know, small businesses are really struggling right now. And our beloved Hagcraft Farm is one of them. So even though it is not a paid ad, I still plead with everyone to please go over there. I mean, if, I mean, Shannon, for real, if anything happens to that, we're all going to die. Like we have to have it. It's a problem. And honestly, like, I feel like every day I see another Instagram post of a small business having to close their doors. And it's so frustrating and upsetting. These algorithms on just about every social media platform are completely fucking everyone. And it's, it's already so hard to get traction on social media as it is. And it's just, honestly, with the economy and everything else, it's just been so hard for these small businesses. So y'all, if you can support a small business, I mean, even for things that you wouldn't necessarily think about, there's a small business local soap maker in your area. There's a small business stationary place in your area. Like mm. if you can support a small business, please, please do. I agree. And like Leanne also makes the most adorable, beautiful, fantastical bralettes and like those little boy short. Oh, I know. They're so cute. Oh, yum. So yeah, um, definitely. And I am worried about artists in this economy. Mm -hmm. I'm specifically, of course, worried about which ones. Yep. Um, so yeah. Yeah, niche market there. So. <laughs> right, right. We're already y'all. We're already pigeonholed. Come on, help us. Um, 
But that being said, uh, okay, you wanted to talk today about something in particular. You told me in the green room, if you will, that that's <laughs> what you wanted to talk about. So it is not protected, you know, information from our coven meet. What was that? Go ahead. So um, at our last coven meet, we uh, pretty much talked about the idea that there are essentially two schools of thought in terms of um gods, goddesses, pantheons, and things of that nature. Um, mm -hmm. There is the first school of thought that they all exist, they're all individual, and they all work and live and play in separate realms. And whether or not they know of each other is usually kind of up for debate. But um, basically that they all are individuals and they all exist at the same time. Um, and then the other school of thought being that there's essentially one energy, spirit, god, goddess. The different gods and goddesses across the different pantheons are different representations of different aspects of that spirit. Um, whether it's, you know, because this culture values war, so we're looking at a god of war, Ares, or something like that. This culture is all about, um, you know, science that kind of thing. You're looking for the goddess Athena. It just, it's all representations and different aspects of the same main spirit. But I'd have to argue with you because you know, I love doing that. <laughs> and <laughs> she's my girl, y'all. <laughs> but I'd have to argue with you that there was one other option that we discussed. And that was what? Do you remember where if a god, a goddess, a deity has been worshipped for long enough and believed in that they can be manifested in that way and become more autonomous, sovereign, that idea as right. well. Right. Yes. What do you think? Um, so I kind of, yeah, that is definitely a possibility that we talked about. And I think it's a pretty likely possibility. Um, but it's one of those things where it's, it's hard to say, okay, it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing, right? So which came first? Did a bunch of people manifest this deity because they all had this collective conscious image of this god or goddess that they're worshiping? Or did that god or goddess create that image in their collective conscious? Right. And, and I've got my ideas. You know, we all have our ideas. And I really do hate dogma. So that automatically means to me, as you well know, Shannon, that I wouldn't appreciate someone going, oh, you're wrong. You know, um, it must be in this canon of thought and it must follow this suit. Um, I mean, you know, I'm a Matrix fan, so <laughs> all of these things to me are possible. <laughs> and uh, so where do you fall? You want to talk about where you fall and then I'll talk about where I fall. I've thought about it a lot. And while I think that all three possibilities are completely feasible, I think it's probably a combination of one overarching spirit deity who manifests themselves in different ways across different cultures, because that's what people need to see. And then, you know, and then, but I also do definitely think that, um, you know, a, a group of people can manifest a deity now whether that deity was there originally and like i said they put the thought into people's heads um or not it's not something that i've really come to a firm decision on that's a good point but yeah no i i tend to think that like if i am working with 
Hecate or Lilith or the Morgan, it's it's all the same energy. It all comes from the same place. Um, and I think that kind of goes back to what I feel like is kind of a widely accepted pagan school of thought of that, you know, whether it's the trees or the sky or the ocean, it's all the same spirit. It's all without, it's all within, as above, so below. So, you know, it's all flowing through everything all at the same time. So then that would lead us to, I don't think we talked about it the other night in Coven Meet at all, but I think that would necessarily lead us to a conversation about then why approach different faces, I suppose, of a goddess or a god in different ways. You know, for instance, Hecate would be much different than Isis, the Egyptian goddess. So why would we approach them in different ways if they are only, well, not only, but do you kind of hear where I'm coming from? Yeah. Well, first off, I would say that the number of us that have approached deities versus the number of us that have been approached is probably, uh, I, I think that whatever deity you're seeing, whatever deity is calling to you, because most of us, I think that work with deities we're called to that deity for one reason or another, whether that's, you know, again, it goes back to the argument of, is that your subconscious? And that's just the deity that you identify with because it's a deity you've researched. It's a pantheon you understand, or, you know, did that deity reach out to you and kind of pluck you from the crowd and say, Hey, Hey, over here. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> well, which also could have to do with your ancestral line. Exactly. And I'm very particular about this. Folks don't talk about it enough. We've got our bloodlines, but, you know, if we do believe we've been here before, right, then yeah. we've got a soul line, you know, a spirit line, whatever we want to call that, um, where we've been before, not about necessarily DNA. So we've got two different ways to consider that. So, yeah. Um, so that's where you fall then. Yeah, pretty much. Um, like I said, I... The interesting thing that we brought up during Coven 2 was the fact that like pantheons being, you know, different hierarchies, different cultures, that kind of thing. It does also basically lead to the fact that, you know, Christianity does have its own pantheon. It is like if you're going to assume that Isis exists and Hecate exists, then you do have to kind of concede that enough people believe in um, in the Christian God that that is also a possibility as well. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to believe in his rules or the afterlife version um, of what happens for Christianity. But, you know, in the same way that hundreds and thousands of people across the world believe in, you know, Vishnu, so many people believe in Christian capital G God that you do have to kind of concede that he does have his own pantheon as well. Yeah, except that I, you know, yeah, except that I kind of feel like he's an asshole. <laughs> right. <laughs> and what did we call him? What did we end up God. with the name that we... <laughs> yes, we've decided he's beep. The God beep. Now known as beep. Yeah, the rules that have been made up are intriguingly um, subjective. So. They also yeah. tend to lean towards a specific... Uh, race and gendered person. 
So right, and th- uh, it doesn't make any sense right. from the memoirs from which it came. But yeah, I can yeah, I can totally see that. I think my son actually had a point on the way off the porch, my oldest son, that I would like to throw into the the balance because it was intriguing. I think you even said, whoa, that. Um, and so my son, Zach, who has told me I can use his name anytime I want, said, well, I mean, if they can decide that God is male and that there's only one, aren't we allowed to decide those kinds of things for us? you know, and it was shocking. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's interesting because I think that actually came from our conversation about um, male versus female deities and how like as female presenting people, um, we were basically discussing how (laughs) no offense to the opposite gender, but none of us have ever really had any kind of interest in working with any male presenting deities that I know of. No, nobody that's on the porch did. No, you are correct. I know that I didn't, but now we have to look at my um, my environment, my history, you know, where I came from. I am indeed also uh, SA victim. We won't get into that too much at all. But at the end of the day, I just knew I was never going to kneel again to a male deity. And I just couldn't. It doesn't mean that I don't believe that they don't exist either right you know and you know that's the problem is is unfortunately for better or for worse male deities kind of have a lot of strikes against them um mostly they were uh in most pantheons not even just the greek um pantheon but in pretty much most pantheons have male deities as being very if if not at least sexually aggressive right and then, you know, as women raised in the society, we're taught that, you know, it's it's for some reason, uh, whether we agree with it or not, it's our responsibility to protect ourselves from men because mm-hmm. that's the way that, you know, it, it's all it's it's our responsibility. Because they can't help themselves. Right. They, boys will be boys. Mm-hmm. They can't help themselves. It's our responsibility to protect ourselves from men. And mm-hmm. I got to tell you, the kind of work that I'm doing with a goddess is not something where I feel like I'm going to be able to protect myself against. <laughs> you know? It has to be a trusting, loving relationship. Um, mm-hmm. You just can't go in it keeping one eye open uh, and being afraid that, you know, your deity is is going to take advantage of the situation. But at the same time, like totally no shade. To anybody who's working, you know, with Kernonos or, or, or any other, um, a horned god, whatever, I get it. It's just that I don't feel comfortable exactly. at all. And doesn't that always lead to that same old argument I've been telling you for so long? It's like, even if I don't necessarily like wearing a particular hat, it doesn't mean that I don't think it looks really great on you. Like, go, you know, wear that hat. And, you know, also, I'm sure we have leftover Christian patriarchy trauma as well. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And we're both uh, women of the South, which is at the South. And that does necessarily mean trauma, although, you know, it ties into the old church ways. But yeah, yeah. Okay, so Shannon and I got sidetracked. So what we're going to talk about, I guess it's my turn to tell you what I believe, right? It is. Yes. Right. So here's my disclaimer, though, baby girl. My disclaimer is I am always evolving. I will not stand on a ground and go, I'm right. 
this is the end. This is put a monument on it, honey, because I'm Moses and this is what I believe. Wherever I'm at in my life, that's, you know, where I'm at. Um, but most of my life, I have believed. Okay, let's talk about Christian trauma again for just one second. So I was exposed, I was surrounded by, I was engulfed in Christian patriarchal deep Southern deity, right? So this is who I was um, trying not to get to whoop my ass and send me to jail, basically, as a child. Every thought I had was wrong, especially being a woman, um, every or young girl, whatever, every step I made was incorrect. I had that same experience for sure, where I, I actually became really kind of OCD about um, impure thoughts as a young, young girl, just because they really make it seem like, you know, you can control those intrusive thoughts and it's it's all your fault and you're going to hell. And yeah. uh, and I think that, again, in the in the Christian pantheon, um, there's it's probably the most binary, right? Like good, evil, right, wrong. I think in in almost every other pantheon, you know, everybody's got a little bit of everything kind of kind of in them, you know, nobody's completely pure or completely evil. They're, they're a lot more humanized, I think, in other pantheons. I do. I do think that as well. And I remember feeling the same way you felt like I wasn't impervious to it, regardless of uh, how much church experience I had. It was all around me and grammar school and all of my friends um, it's so funny that one of my oldest friends from, you know, third grade turned out to be a witch too, but she was also abused by the patriarchy. Um, it was easier for me to sort of side dance, kind of slip and slide tap dance into a belief that God could be a woman. Once I hit that, it was like this um, uh, freeing <laughs> place yeah. to be yeah no i do and, and yeah i may have gone a little hard on that you know because it was such a relief to have a more mother maternal loving sort of figure and as i grew yeah what one more time and, uh, sorry and i was saying and just just safer i mean yeah almost every goddess is you know even the morrigan even war goddesses like they have that nurturing protective nature about them whereas you know it kind of feels like beep it's always trying to get you in trouble <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day when i got a little older and i started studying and i went i read um when god was a woman by merlin stone and everything that carol christ ever put out there as you know i like to tell everybody when i was writing my dissertation Nothing gave me more glee than saying Christ says um, <laughs> while I was yes. ripping apart the patriarchy. But I, I found all this stuff. I found this ancient mother lore, you know, this maternal goddess lore. And what I was stunned to find, and this is kind of what healed me a little bit in the binary issue of female, male, was that a lot of these goddesses, if you will, well, they encompass the male. They were malevolent or benevolent. They would bring you in the world or they, you know, kick your ass and take you out. They were warrior and they were nurturing. And it was such a revelation to me that 
a female deity could encompass both. And it's, I'm not saying that a male deity cannot. I'm saying that this was a revelation to me, um, you know, leaving behind the world. of Go ahead. Well, and in a society too, I mean, even today, it's still significantly more acceptable for quote female presenting people to have quote masculine traits than it is for quote masculine people to have quote female traits. You know what I mean? A lot of quotes and I know why you had to do it too. (laughs) That's still where we are as a society. It's, Mm -hmm. it's still so much more acceptable for, you know, females to be aggressive or assertive. I mean, you're still going to get the bitch tag. Um, but I think most of us at this point have kind of, uh, taken back that word anyway. Um, thank you, Meredith Brooks. (laughs) Exactly. It's like somebody calls me a bitch. I just, you know, my ears hear bitch and my mind hears, oh, you're saying something that I don't like because it's true. <laughs> right. So I'm powerful and frightening you right now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, little boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think feminism is having a really difficult time fitting into where we are today, you know, because I also don't want to eclipse the male an expression at all. I don't want to do that because that's what was done to us so much that I don't want that to happen to the male side either. And to be quite honest with you, can they just hurry up and make everything fluid so we no longer have to talk like this? <laughs> um, you know, because it's still in our in our minds from when we were children. Girl, boy, girl, boy. It's it's ridiculous. Um. But then when I got older and I was, uh, let me think, I was in my 30s, mid to late, and I was studying uh, goddess theology, and I was very drawn to the warrior goddesses. Yeah. Um, Felt that deeply because what I had been taught in my Southern culture is that female deities, well, they were either inherently evil hi lilith how you doing sugar (laughs) bless her heart (laughs) (laughs) not fair god forbid you demand an orgasm (laughs) still my girl always (laughs) will be let me get that tattoo you know or they were powerless so powerless you know well it's almost like their power was in their ability to be silenced you know what i mean like and it's it's how very handmaid's tale but yes. oh yeah it's just i was drawn i was at first i think i've told you not a surprise to you um attracted to isis and felt that call hard and you don't really hear about that very much anymore like i don't hear people talking about that in witchcraft and all but i felt that she was so old and so primal right <laughs> And I was like, oh, I got a quiver. What is that funny (laughs) feeling? (laughs) You know, and then I told you that when I was working on my master's degree, I believe it was, I have to go back and really investigate my memory. It was Athena for a while. And I really felt Athena. And then she left me. The moment I, you know, published that work, it was gone. It was gone from me. And that's when I ran smack into and if you know the image of what i'm about to say you will find that funny uh sheila nagig <laughs> <laughs> right into the vajayjay <laughs> and that that 
I've never been able to forget, you know, that all encompassing, just raw power. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. I still love a Sheila gig to this day. So where do I land as complicated as I am? I would say that, like I told you, I'm still growing. Yeah, I may be working on 60, but baby, I don't know where I'm going. Um, Where I've landed today, where I'm standing today is I personally believe that, you know, no, it's not what I believe. I worship a divine feminine. I worship the divine feminine that has all attributes of all genders within her. And occasionally that means I might run into a problem. (laughs) I did tell you I did meet something in the woods one time and I was like, well, hello there. Uh, big boy, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. No, thank you. Let me back away (laughs) really carefully. Uh, but it was intriguing. It was, it's just, um, as I explained to that deity, as I backed away slowly, (laughs) girl been through some trauma, honey, and cannot deal with that. Right. Okay. So I'm going to back out of here, but I also do believe, and I'm not sure if we actually meet perfectly in the middle. I also do believe that the faces of this grand, you know, Darth Vader force (laughs) that happens to be female, that those faces of her can become incredibly sovereign after a culture or people spends enough time making it so. And that's why i think that we have to kind of work with you know okay so what i would have brought asses might not be what i bring for you you feel me right am i making any sense i think it's your turn to talk (laughs) no yeah i totally i mean again like i feel like there's just there's so all of these possibilities are so completely fathomable to me that i as a mere mortal a witch yes but a mere mortal still Uh, wouldn't certainly be convinced enough one way or another to confirm or deny whether or not I had sex with that woman. (laughs) (laughs) Did you go there? That's awesome. Define sex. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, at the end of it, I don't know. Like, okay, that's the question. We spent what would you say two hours on the porch talking about this easily i think maybe easily. a little bit more yeah it leads me to ask the question and i want you to take it seriously and not flippantly why does it matter sorry why does what matter why does it matter which way we believe it, yeah yeah i mean i think to it, your craft to, to my your okay craft. okay i was like as a collective but uh, no to my craft uh, it, uh, it definitely does matter because it's going to affect how I interact with those deities. It's it's going to affect, you know, at some point, if you truly believe that all is one and one is all kind of a thing, um, then, you know, you can really kind of, for lack of a better phrase, dumb it down um, in times of duress when you need to and just kind of scream out to that primal feminine energy and just say like, hey, I need some attention down here. <laughs> Damn it. Um, you know, shit is not going well. 
Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, it, it'll just kind of depend on what I, I guess, I don't want to say it'll depend on what I need that day because that makes it sound like it's a, it's a, a one-way street, which it's certainly not. Um, but, you know, it's just what I'm comfortable with. I have a very specific image of Hecate in my mind, and it's actually not in line with a lot of um, the historical images of her, but it's how I saw her in a dream when I saw her. And that's, that's always how she's going to be in my mind. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. how she presented herself to me. Uh, so who the fuck am I to tell her that's not what she looks like? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. And when I just need the great mother, and that's what I need, you know, you know how I see her. Mm-hmm. I'll be very careful because I don't want to disparage anything. But, you know, very big, very voluptuous, very uh, capable <laughs> uh, woman, image of woman. And I've seen that myself. I've seen that as well. Um, and again, I think it's how I think it matters what we need to see or how they decide what we need to see. I think that matters. And are we to argue then that we are wrong because another book will present that deity differently, you know, exactly, or is not important at all. I don't know. And also this whole argument I've been having with the witch community anyway, about binary thinking, who's to say that the feminine deity, the, the divine, you know, female deity that I'm working with doesn't have male traits, doesn't express those upon occasion. See, I think for me, um, and how do we define those? But go ahead. Well, that's what I was gonna say. I think for me, a lot of the traits that I, I think are traditionally defined as male, like being assertive or being aggressive or being strong, like my brain doesn't see those as being masculine traits at all. Like, I never feel more feminine and powerful than when like, I mean, I'm 35 or four years old, so it's not like I've had a good fight in a long time. But, you know, then when I'm gearing up for kind of like a battle, whether it's, you know, physical or spiritual or whatever, like feeling strong and aggressive and assertive makes me feel feminine because that's how I Mm -hmm. see female energy. Yeah, and it makes me think even further about this as it has to do with gender. Because to me, at the end of the day, it really isn't male or female that I have an issue with. It's violence and control and dogma that has been so embedded in the patriarchal system that I cannot participate with anything that even looks like those things at all at the end of the day. I cannot And it doesn't mean that, (laughs) God, that some of the goddess, I, 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 let me start over. I tickled myself. (laughs) That some of the goddesses I have worshipped in my life have not been capable of violence. Yeah, I think we all know uh, (laughs) who you're talking about there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, um, Or it can be a little dark at times. It's just that the playing field is so much more fair. And, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. No, I definitely, like, honestly, this is, I'd like to start with a quick disclaimer that this is not necessarily the view of the Southern Fried Witch podcast, but this is (laughs) my view. Um, I cannot help but assume 
when a witch talks about being love and light and only working with light goddesses, I cannot help but assume that she is either very young or very young or lying. craft. Um, or lying. Or lying. Yeah. Because, oh God, it is so fucking boring. <laughs> I mean, it is boring, but it's also not true to life. It's not true to life. Like, if I wanted that turn the other cheek bullshit, I could have stayed a Christian, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think we were even talking the other day, um, you know, I do not abide the rule of three. Um, I, I don't give a threefold fuck. Like if somebody comes for me, <laughs> they're put down. Like that's just, I'm just not here to roll over just because society has told us that that is our role. And it's, it, it's, I don't know. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. I can't imagine identifying as anything other than a quote gray witch because life is gray uh okay i am so into what you're saying and by the way everybody i do want that t-shirt i don't give a threefold fuck (laughs) but i have to interrupt you to just say because it reminds you of the binary of female again it's this whole you know either angel right yeah or devil it's it's you're you're sexual and manipulative and evil or you're this little sweet little fainting flower on the side of the road and we're still replicating that in the craft. Exactly. Love and light. I just can't like I'm sorry. I know there are women out there who who are perfectly happy being submissive and quiet, but I just don't surround myself with that kind of person. And that's that's my prerogative. It's their prerogative if they want to surround themselves themselves with women who, you know, that that's important to them. And that I'm not even saying that's wrong if that's what you want truly and not just what you think you want because that's what men have been telling you your whole life. If truly you enjoy being submissive to men, then please, by all means, just, you know, find yourself a good man who will take care of you and treat you right in that role. But baby girl, that just ain't me. Well, that would be their choice. And that still is power. And that is still sovereignty for them, right? If they wanted that. Exactly. I am not that person either. Never have been able to be that. And growing up in Alabama, that was a real issue. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was a professor at a, let's just remove. (laughs) One of the things I heard so often is, I mean, I was in my 30s, y'all, and I was really cute back then. I'm a (laughs) 57-year-old grandma now. But they were like, did you see her? She was wearing a really short skirt. Or, oh my God, she's always wearing that blood red lipstick. What's up with that? It's like a speed in the classroom. I was called these things by not my students, by my peers mm. who were wearing like, <laughs> bless their hearts, you know, basically the college version of a school bus vest. Oh God. Yeah. And it's cool, but I felt like being me and I felt like not hiding. Um, I felt like being whoever I wanted to be as long as it, you know, when I was standing in front of a classroom of kids, well, you know, 18 to 20. Those are babies. (laughs) Yeah, they are. They really are. That what we talked about was literature, philosophy, history, Um, And I was appropriate, but they were very unhappy because, yeah, I was divorced. I had kids. I was single. God, bit. (laughs) The shame. And I never dated anybody during that time, which is really funny to me looking back. But I was very much called a beep 
and I'm sorry, I may have to take out these words later. I don't know if they're okay to say anymore on the air, but I mean, I think you're repeating what was said to you. It's not like you would yeah. ever call any other female either of those words. And I think what's really critical to me, hold on, pouring wine. <laughs> may leave that in. Definitely leave that in. Leave it in. Yeah. Let's be real with her people. What was really critical to me was I noticed it. I thought about it. I laid in bed at 3 a.m. thinking about it, crying myself to sleep. It had little to nothing to do with my actual actions. Right. Because I was a single mom. I went home every night. I took the kids to soccer. You know, I made dinner, had sex with no one for 10 years. Bless my heart. I just bless my own heart because <laughs> that was shitty. It had to do with what they saw me as, you know, they, it had to do with appearance and it had to do with the fact that I wasn't being dowdy for their comfort level. That is the kind of bullshit that the goddess I worshipped freed me from. Does that make any sense to you? Absolutely. Yeah, I totally get where you're coming from there. I mean, Again, being quiet and being unseen and being dowdy is not the tax you pay as a woman to exist in this world. Like it, the tagline of this podcast. <laughs> uh, and in the same sense, you know, being pretty and delicate and quote feminine, that's also not your cross to bear. Like just be who you want to be. I completely agree with that. But these are the reasons that I went towards a... I like the way you're putting that because I never thought about looking at the gods and the goddesses this way, but a female presenting energy, it was a relief for me. And for many of my peers down here in the South, it was a relief after being forced on my knees for so damn long, both figuratively and literally by male presenting human, I was suddenly in the position of I'm never these knees are never that that's never happening again and that was freeing for me so it would be very traumatizing for me to consider doing so exactly well and honestly like i always feel kind of bad when we when we talk about this kind of thing because uh like i really don't have a lot of in this lifetime anyway as far as i can remember um have not necessarily ever felt like victimized by men or looked down upon as lesser but I think so much of that has to do with the way I was raised like my parents just never made it seem like I should be on my knees for anyone male or female I mean they they raised me to be autonomous and sovereign on my, as much as you know <laughs> as much as we're allowed to with the government these days uh, they, that's just how they've always taught me to be so I've just never felt I guess I, I will say, like, I personally have never felt like a victim of the patriarchy or of men because all women are to some degree. I mean, you know, we make less. And again, the government has now decided when we can and cannot procreate and, and that kind of thing. But like, I guess no more than the collective female population is what I mean. Yeah, but I'm sure you did feel for your cohorts. And, you know. Yes. I think it's funny because like I have you know, we've talked about this before. I have no desire to reproduce. I have virtually no maternal instinct, uh, but. Oh no, you can't be a woman anymore. <laughs> I know the shame. Uh, but the only time I've ever felt like mama bear, I will 
wreck you is when I've had younger, you know, smaller women in my life who are being victimized. And that's, that's kind of the switch that turns my, my mama bear instinct on is like, you know what I mean? Like, don't you dare sit here and tell me that, you know, this is acceptable. Like, that's where I get big witch energy really riled up. You know what I mean? It's just you got that big witch, big girl energy. It's we're partying now, y'all. And <laughs> she's going to kick everybody's ass. <laughs> oh, it's been quite a long time since I kicked anyone's ass. But it's true. Me too. I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I did a lot of that in my early 20s and I'm just fucking tired. But I mean, you know, I just it bothers me at a place that I think it, it bothers all women to see other women be victimized like that. Like whether you are biologically female or female presenting or whatever, I think everyone has that place like right where their diaphragm is that feels like it's just been like had the air ripped out of their lungs when something like that happens to, to another female um, or female presenting person. And it just like, I feel like we all just feel it. Absolutely. And I can't even imagine being a trans woman here in Alabama right now. I can't even imagine. No. I worry that we have got this these terms, masculine and feminine. I'm about to call myself out in a minute. So enmeshed, so fucked up that we no longer can understand where we feel safe or who we feel like we are sometimes. And why I said I was about to call myself out. I couldn't kneel anymore to anything that was male. I thought not in any way because to me, the damage had been done. What I think I meant now, <laughs> you know, when you get old and you look back, what I meant, <laughs> I need a lawyer around <laughs> me all the time. What she meant, y'all. Now, was, listen to what my client means to say. <laughs> is that I could not deal with a patriarchy anymore. And I do know what that looks and smells and walks and talks like. And I don't think that has as much to do with masculinity at, like, at, at all, maybe. I think that that is um, an institution, a cult, if you will, mm-hmm. and has little to do with, because I've seen women support this shit. Oh, that's always, you know, the, mo- the yeah, that's all. You're just like, honey, what? I know. <laughs> like blink twice if you need help. Like, honey, you okay? <laughs> Calm down. But um, but yeah, no, it's it's kind of significant. And that's what I think I meant. And before there was patriarchy, there was this lovely, you know, earth mother thing. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to call you thing, mama. That I believe had space for gender and all kinds of other things. And hopefully one of these days, somebody can show me something of the opposite. You know, I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. I think, you know, honestly, all I really want is to be in a space where everybody, where there's space for everybody. I mean, if you truly believe that you're a straight cis male, then be a straight cis male for God's sakes. Like, do you do you, boo-boo? Just don't shove it down my throat. You know what I mean? Use it as an oppositional stance. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Everybody just needs to, everybody just needs to chill out and leave each other the fuck alone. Okay. (laughs) Again, don't make us quote Taylor Swift at y'all. But yeah. Yeah. So to go all the way back to the very beginning, I'm still in flux on it. 
The, you remember the beginning, right? Right. I was like, what was that, like an hour, four hours ago? It's What is time? 54 minutes ago. So um, we'll probably cut half that out, y'all. Y'all be looking and going, what? Anyway. They'll, you'll be like, they really jumped around a lot on this podcast. They did. Y'all to be in cover, mate. It gets really creepy and magical. So, yeah. I, I, I think that there are options to... What, didn't you call it the chicken and the egg? Mm-hmm. Yep. Go ahead. Which came first? Did we believe in something and make it to be? Or did something live and then we agree to it and then it became? Exactly. Right? But at the end of the day, uh, that question keeps on popping up. Does it matter? I mean, does it matter if they exist? If Hecate exists for you and the image that you saw her in, that she presented herself to you in, does it matter what anybody thinks about how she became am i making any sense yeah no and and the thing too is it's like honestly like i think that anybody who's um been practicing witchcraft um for any length of time i I joke about what is time but uh but truly what is reality there's just there's so many different objective ways to view reality and you know i mean god we could all be on the back of a giant turtle right now And then, you know, there's also the possibility that every reality exists. You know, it's very everything everywhere all at once kind of a thing where it's like it's just different layers of reality. And it's all about how much or how little of it we can actually perceive. And that's going to vary from person to person anyway. And then I remember telling you at the end of it, I don't know what to say anymore. Just go read American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Yes, which I started. I didn't start the book yet, but I did start the TV series. So tell everybody what happened when you got home on your bookshelf. That was so creepy and witchy. So it was funny because uh, I have a cat and I have a five bookshelf built. It's it's a faux built in that I made um, when I first moved into the house. And it is literally bursting at the seams i'm afraid i'm gonna have to add a sixth bookshelf somewhere um with books and honestly most of them belong to my husband um i keep my books in a separate place because most of my books are on witchcraft um not that like anybody's like visiting our house and gasping at the shock of me being a witch or anything but i keep most of those in my altar room um but my cat will occasionally knock random books um off the shelf And the night after our discussion at Coven Meet, when you're like, you know what, just go read American Gods. Uh, I was feeding my dogs the next morning and that book was laying, it was the only book laying off the bookshelf (laughs) in the middle of the floor that I guess my cat had knocked off. And I- But you didn't know it was there. Do what? But you didn't even know it was No, there. I was going to say, I didn't even know my, it, it's my husband's book. I didn't even know he owned that book. And then I was, I was feeding the dogs and I glanced over and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of one of those moments where you pick the book up and you're like, all right, all right, I get it. <laughs> I'm listening. Like, <laughs> Well, you know, past the chicken and the egg argument because it has never gotten anyone anywhere in life was anyone going to shake your faith in hecate i mean i i have a very um i'm relatively new to working with deities um i've dabbled but for a very long time in my practice i was completely secular and i was dealing with nature spirits but i didn't necessarily identify them as deities and that kind of thing And it's taken me a really long time to even feel 
comfortable working with the deity. But, you know, at this point, she's pretty much always going to be like my first girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because she's really the one that, I mean, I'm a very stubborn person. uh, So I really have to have something, especially something that could be explained away, kind of beat me over the head with it. And she was the first one to be like, hey, I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) I can't be any clearer than this. Pay the fuck attention. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, no, it it would be uh, it would really take some sort of earth shattering uh, cosmic event, I think, at this point. (laughs) Yeah. And as you know, and I forgot to state this entire time, I work with Morgan. And have been for a little over 10 years. We'll see. I'm, I'm very happy. But I do believe the Morgan, they decide how long they work with you. Or she does. Um, the great three-faced one, you know. And uh, we're still working through some shit. So I'll know. <laughs> I'll know. I don't think I'd be left in the dust. I think I'd be left with someone. But... And it's funny because I know, like, I have felt even actually before, before I even started coming to Coven Meet and everything, I, I've been aware of, like, whispering from the Morgan, um, but I've just never really, like, I've always kind of just brushed it off. And it's funny because I think that you said the other night that you've kind of had that same, like, I, I feel you out there relationship uh, with Hecate. And so it's funny that they're like, maybe one day they'll just switch us up. It'll be like the parent trap, but with deities. <laughs> We're going to be so fucked. <laughs> yeah, today I was uh, laying uh, in the bed. I had my grandbaby and I was trying to get her to consider a nap. You know, how two and a half year olds can be. And there is a muscadine vine. This could not be more Southern if it tried to be. There's a muscadine vine that is hanging right outside of my bedroom window. It's just huge and it's just hanging there. And uh, all of a sudden I noticed all this activity right there. And I looked and I'm like patting her on the back, trying to get her sleepy. And there's a crow, (laughs) a beautiful black crow, just hanging on to the muscadine vine, leaning in looking at me like, hey, hey, you need to get back to work. Hey. Basically getting side-eye from the Morgan. (laughs) Yeah, we know where you live in Alabama. Get moving. I'm like, okay, it has been too long and I do need to get back to work. So it was kind of cute. I don't know. Okay, so any last thoughts on any of this? Because we we really traversed a lot of subjects here. Yeah, I know. I feel like we've really, um, I don't know, there's maybe two podcasts. (laughs) You just maybe just cut it down the middle and then. But no, yeah, I, I think that my final parting thought is reality is fluid. Do what makes you happy. Worship who you want to worship and love who you want to love. I agree with that. And I think with the whole so mode it be that we can participate in the manifestation of almost anything. And uh, however she manifests to me is who I'm paying attention to. So that's where I land. And it's a very watery fluid place to be but thank you so much for talking about this with me today i know that we are constantly learning and kind of finding our way and uh this was kind of a difficult conversation so i really appreciate it baby always always here for the difficult ones you know those are my favorites bye y'all all right talk to y'all next week
Blessed be. Y'all have been listening to the Southern Fried Witch Podcast. Come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the Deep South.